0: <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And uh, kindness, that's our focus today, as you've heard. Uh, we've been spending time this series looking at Galatians 5, at the, these verses that talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and they've, um, they've challenged us, encouraged us, and motivated us uh, to let God do His work in us. You see, we've been asked to stop paddling so hard to try to please God, and instead abide in Him that is, walk so closely with Him that He will fill our sails and so develop in us the beautiful character traits that we see in Him. Now, of all the words listed in the fruit of the Spirit, when we look at kindness, it might be really the easiest term to define. My five kids, aged 11 down to 3 years old, know exactly what I mean when I say to them, be kind to each other, <laughs> right? Or, um, or that wasn't the kind thing to do, is they grab a toy out of a sibling's hand on, on those levels. Now, We might simply say that kindness is love put into action towards other people love put into action towards other people and that includes words and deeds we might say that it's doing unto others doing to others what you would have them do to you and we might even go so far as to say that it's doing to others as God has done to you it's kind of raising the bar way up there and when you think about God's amazing love and sacrifice for us that's that's a lot. God's supreme act of kindness was revealed in Jesus Christ God's giving his one and only son to die for each one of us So that we could be forgiven That's huge kindness And it made me wonder this week about forgiveness Uh, You know, kindness and forgiveness They seem to go hand in hand The more I thought about it and read scripture We're going to talk about that a little bit later So here we go. Let's grab your outlines for notes if you want to fill in some blanks as we go. And uh, let's look at this fruit of kindness that the Holy Spirit wants to bear in us, that the Holy Spirit wants to bear in us. So the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness in me as I first of all slow down and take time with him. The Holy Spirit will bear this fruit of kindness in me as I slow down and take time with him. In order for me to not charge ahead and start really trying to be kind on my own, you know, I'm going to be a nice guy, I'm going to be a nice guy if I work really hard, I have to state the only foundation possible to building a fruitful life of kindness, and that is I have to slow down in my life and make it a priority to take time investing in my relationship with God. Now, it's been said very accurately that that you become like who you spend time with. It's very true. You become like who you spend time with. Have you ever notice how you pick up a, a new verbal expression you, when you spend a significant amount of time with someone new? Something they say, something they do, a mannerism, or someone around you starts kind of copying you? Except it just kind of happens. And you know, my kids have gone through their phrases over the last few years as they've entered elementary school, and all of a sudden one of my guys will come home and they've got some cool terms like, dude, <laughs> you know? Every other word is dude, all of a sudden, and I'm pretty sure they didn't pick that up from me at home. <laughs> Dude, it's time for church, (laughs) you know? So all of a sudden, dude, dude going on. Wow, they've got some friends saying lots of dudes, and it's the thing to say without realizing it. Dude is coming out of their mouths. Well, that's really why we've spent a lot of time with our kids over the last few years, really helping them choose their closest friends very carefully. You see, if they start to hang out with other kids, um, that as they get older, they start using, let's say, um, more colorful language, Right? Let's just say what starts coming out of my kids' mouths at some point will probably start emulating that, won't they? Let alone behaviors that happen. It's really true. You start spending time with people, your language and your behaviors kind of start mimicking them that's there. You are like who you spend time with. Well, good thing that's true for only kids, right? Not for adults. Yeah, right. You ever meet a married couple that yeah, you know, all of a sudden, why wow, they, they seem to be a lot alike. Well, that's actually a good thing that can happen. It's true for adults, isn't it? Because we're all impressionable. You become like who you spend time with. So if you want the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to bear fruit in you, the fruit of kindness and all the rest, then you, you have to spend time with Him. It just makes sense. Quality time and quantity time. You can't sacrifice either one of them. Both have to happen. And I want to look at that for a second, because I think we sometimes make excuses by saying things like, you know, John, I don't have a lot of time to spend time with God, but at least it's quality time, you know? I could carve out that few minutes, but at least it's quality. Well, you know, I'm really glad if it is quote-unquote quality time, but I've usually found that in order to have true quality time with anyone, it involves more than a few minutes. Doesn't it? I mean, husbands, if you go down and you know, sit next to your wife on the couch and spend two or three minutes of quality time with your wife talking? It may be quality time to you, but what do you think she's thinking about it? You barely scratched the surface in two or three minutes, right? And even if it got to a quality moment, do you think it'd get even more quality if those two or three minutes turned to five or 10 or 15 minutes, right? I think we could all agree that's true. I don't think we can separate the quality and the concept that easily. All right, the more time, the more quality time with anyone we have, it involves more than a few minutes, and it's right there. It's right there. Now, in Psalm 145, verse 17, 18, it says, The Lord, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness, and the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And you see, as we spend time with Him, we see and experience His kindness because He's filled with it. And as we pursue Him, it says, the Lord is close to all who call on Him. He's close. We call on Him. He's right there with His kindness. And as we pursue Him, He draws near to us and He starts rubbing off on us, right? You become like who you spend time with. And that's also why reading the Bible is so important. Not because your pastors tell you it's an important thing to do, (laughs) Although it is, but but not so you can check it off your checklist, not as a measurement of your spirituality. I spent five days this week in the Bible. (coughs) Aren't I doing great, you know? The Bible is simply a sweet and accurate expression of God's love and His character and righteousness. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. And I read in Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, the psalmist writes and says, oh, how I love your law. Stop for a second. Have you ever said that to God? Or to the government? <laughs> so you're driving somewhere, observing the speed limit when you're late? Oh, how I love your law. <laughs> Wish I could drive faster, but I love, we don't, but I love this because he says, oh, how I love your law. He recognizes God's law, God's words, scripture, are, 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 are God's essence. It's God's very being laid in front of me. He says, God, I love you because you rep, you're represented in your words. And he says, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. To meditate is to slow down. It's to chew, chew on something more than once or twice. It's to really think and to really reflect. Are these words new for you? Because they're very non-21st century words, right? Reflect, meditate, chew on something. I mean, let's chew it and move on quick and move to the next thing. But as we spend time with him and his words, we fall in love with him and we start becoming like him. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you, as a follower of Jesus, you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. As his children, spending lots of time with daddy, we start, we start imitating him. We start to walk and talk like daddy. I think of my own kids that way, and I've seen times, sometimes for better or for worse, you know, all of a sudden, like, hey... I see me in him. Oh, boy, I see me in him, you know? Hopefully, it's usually better than worse, but honestly, they're both there. That's there. We follow the example of Christ, and that means we have to spend enough time with him so we can imitate him, right? The people that do great impressions don't listen to a quick soundbite of some stars or some celebrity and then start imitating. They really immerse themselves. They listen and they watch so that they can really start doing good impressions, right? We're supposed to impress, do an impression of, imitate, follow the example of Christ, and we can't do it unless we spend time with him. He models kindness for us, and, and then he gives us the power and the desire to actually show that love. And what level of love? Well, it says here very, very simply, sacrificial love, forgiveness. There it is again. Kindness of word and action that floats up to God. It starts coming out in us. Jesus reflected in us, and it floats up. It says here to God like a pleasing aroma. <sighs> Ah, you know the great smell of a good barbecue, you know? I reflect, Come, came home sometime in the last week in the midst of the rain and not rain, but I got out of the car and I was like, ah, oh, someone's barbecue, and I hope it's us, you know? Oh, we're having pasta, you know, or whatever. But, you know, that that's that great. The neighbors are barbecuing. It smells great. I wish we were doing that, you know? And that's the same as God seeing his kindness being shown through us. Not through our own superhuman efforts. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to do it because I can do it. The whole paddling thing. But happening because we spend time with him. and And we start to resemble him more and more. Ah, that puts a big smile on his face. Because you become like who you spend time with. Well, see, the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness. The Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness in me as I slow down, I slow down and take time away from quality and quantity time. Do you need to make a decision maybe today to invest more time, quantity, quality in your relationship with God today? It's going to go way farther than grabbing the paddle and trying to be kind more. Well, secondly, the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness in me as I slow down and make time for others, as I slow down and make time for others. Well, two things to catch here. First, you need to catch the fact that growing in kindness starts with God-focused before we get others-focused, even though kindness is kind of a horizontal thing that we do towards others. Point number one started with this spend time with God, slow down, spend time with God. But the second thing to catch is the fact that both of these two points start with the same two words. Look down on your outline. What do they start with? Slow down. Good, some of you were right there. Slow down. And it's so true that our lives are way busy because it's kind of the American way. And we almost pride ourselves in that. Yeah, I'm busy. You think you're busy? Let me tell you about my life. (laughs) It's crazy. What are we doing Uh, in Africa? And I've been there four times now on on various trips that we've taken with our partners there in Uganda. And I got to tell you, as poor and as maybe we'd say desperate as they are in some ways they have this oh, they have this over us in a huge way just big time they are never too busy to do relationships i mean maybe maybe on their way we've seen i've seen on their way to an appointment to a schedule thing that they have but they bump into a friend on the road and they're going to stop and talk for 1 or 2 or 5 or 10 or 35 minutes <laughs> because that person that appointment's still going to be there because chances are the person they're meeting did the same thing because right now I have an opportunity, a moment to be in relationship with someone, and I'm going to take and invest and make time to be in relationship, and talk and share, express kindness. And so we shake our heads. Those of us that have been to Africa, I see a, a number of you out here in, in this service. You know, we look around and we go, "It's it's crazy. It's it's one of the real charms. It fascinates us when we go there. It almost doesn't make any sense, and yet it really draws us. The fact that that." That there's this commitment to slowing down and living a whole different pace and different focused life than we have. But you see, if you don't slow down, if you won't take time for developing, uh, excuse me, if you don't sit down, you won't take time for developing a real relationship with God and you won't make time to even notice the needs of others, let alone make time to try to meet some of those needs. Now we saw in this sketch this homeless person who wasn't homeless and stuff and we're certainly not making, I gotta tell you, we're not making a commentary on what should you know the proper way to treat homeless people it's a really complex issue but here's what I want you to catch they could have walked right by and not even noticed him because they were so busy right so I think God is calling us if nothing else as we start spending time with him kind of start showing up in us as we start slowing down and looking around and at least notice needs and then we can go to God and say God is there something that you would have me do to reflect your kindness in this situation to see that involves slowing down whatever the situation is and so that's what we want to point out there the truth is, um, I think we need to sometimes see our busyness, this is ex- might be extreme, but catch, catch this concept. We need to sometimes see our busyness not just as a way of life, but as a natural enemy of God developing our character into what he wants. Does that sound pretty extreme? Our busyness not just as a way of life, but as an actual enemy of God developing our character into what he wants. It's working, it's diametrically opposed. It's working against what God wants to do in us and through us. And I can picture the devil, I can picture Satan rejoicing over our hurried, busy lives, knowing that as we rush from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, trying to get it all done, we miss the opportunity to really sink our roots deep, deep into Christ, so that we can grow into fruit-bearing followers of Jesus. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Now, let me pause and tell you, this is talking about how meticulously someone uh, follows the details of the law, how careful they are. And and God says, it doesn't doesn't really matter. And he goes on to say, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Being busy, even busy fulfilling the law, doing all the good things, isn't what it's about. You see, true faith expresses itself through love. Through love. Love put into action towards others. That's where we started today. That's kindness. Love put into action towards others. And it's important. How important? A a few verses later in this same chapter, Galatians 5, it says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. (laughs) Love your neighbor as yourself. It's right there. Loving others as yourself. And that's kindness. That means that my schedule takes the back seat sometimes. At least a little bit. I can't be so busy to be kind. I can't be so busy that I can't be kind. The kindness of serving and helping and loving others, it it usually happens only when I take the time to notice and to care and then to act. You see, God will develop kindness in us. That's the Holy Spirit's job, by the way, as we take time with Him and as we make time for others and get into that process. Well, third, the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness in me as I Point three starts with the same two words, slow down, as I slow down to reflect God's kindness to everyone. Now, we've talked about slowing down so we can notice the needs of others and show them kindness, but the emphasis here is on that last word. It's on the everyone. So circle it or underlie it or line it or write over at the top to make it bolder. Holy Spirit bears the fruit of kindness in me as I slow down to reflect God's kindness to everyone. That's everyone, okay? Not just the people that are easy to be kind to, right? Because those people are... Easy to be kind to. So who is the everyone that I'm talking about? I listed three types of people as subpoints there in your outlines. First of all, how about your family and friends? Kindness to everyone means being kind to our family and friends. Now wait, aren't those the easy to be kind to people? Our family and friends? Hmm. <laughs> Now, see, you guys are just like first service. You guys laughed about that. <laughs> sometimes it's really easy to be kind to those people, but sometimes it's harder to be kind to those who are super close to us. Isn't that weird? That's the way it is, though. We know, them, we know those people so well that we know their faults, their quirks, their tendencies, and being kind all the time can get old to those who spend a lot of t- that we spend a lot of time around, you know? Be kind to you again, you know? When was the last time you were kind to me, you know? Or I'll skip this time around and get you next time. I'm tired. Well, I, for the first time in my life, have my household where everybody, all seven of us, got sick at the same time, yesterday, last night, and this morning. So I'm here on a little bit of a rumbly stomach here, but uh, last night at 9 to 10 o'clock, we had a situation where our three-year-old had an accident all over the place, and as we're cleaning that up, going, oh, goodness, and I'm kind of, ooh, and and my 11-year-old goes running by towards the bathroom, and um, he didn't make it, and so all over the place, and and it went from there, and um, I found that for my little three-year-old, as I decided just to lie out on the floor next to him, even as bad as I was feeling all night long, because at three, there's not a chance in the world he's going to do anything, but you know, so I'm there, as I start to hear him stir, I grab the bowl and be right there with him, so that, hey, how's your tummy doing here, lean over, and hey, great, oh good, I could keep him from, you know, the second set of blankets and stuff being destroyed, oh, I was being so kind. At the same time, my 11-year-old, when he was, oh, and I need mom to help me, and I want to go sleep in the bathroom, I'm like, go get in bed, grab a bowl, you're fine. Come on, buddy, buck up, you're 11, you know? I forgot I was talking about kindness this morning. See, sometimes with your friends and your family, it can be so easy at an empathy level to come in and be kind to them, and just that quickly, it's like, come on, you know? I thought, if that was a friend sleeping in our house who was 11 who felt bad, oh, How you doing? Sorry, Joshua. Our friends and family can be easy and can be difficult. But being kind to everyone also includes, secondly, someone who can't return the favor. Someone who cannot return the favor. You see, it's easier to be kind to someone who can be kind back to us. You know, the old scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, you scratch my back both ways. And so that happens. But what about someone who can't return the favor? You know, you're just going to be kind. It's just going to go out there, you know. That can be tough sometimes. And third, being kind to everyone means being kind even when it may not be deserved. Even when it may not be deserved. How easy is it to be kind to someone who has, been, who has mistreated you, right? Someone who's just been... It just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Our sense of justice kicks in, and we think, you know... Be kind to that guy. (laughs) He's been bad-mouthing me to my work associates for weeks now. No way am I going to be kind to him. He doesn't deserve it, you know, or whatever your scenario is there. Isn't that true? It's that way. Gosh, be kind. I can barely even not make this weird face when they come around, you know? But as hard as it may be to be kind to all these people, that's what God calls us to do. There's a great story in the Bible involving Israel's King David that shows David reflecting God's love to someone who can't return the favor and someone who frankly doesn't deserve it. Now, the story is found in 2 Samuel, but before we take a look at it, and it's there in your outline, I wanna give you a quick background for if you don't know where we're coming from here. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and God appointed him, but he had disobeyed God, Disobeyed God, and God chose David to take Saul's place as king. Okay? Now, King Saul had a son named Jonathan who was now next in line by birth to be the next king. Okay, we have King Saul and his son Jonathan. David, as God says, you're no longer going to be king, it's David here. So Jonathan's next in line, but when he finds out that God had chosen David to be the next king, He became great friends with David and supported him 100%. Now, this is one of the greatest stories of friendship that the Bible has, frankly, that anybody has as a true story, this friendship of David and Jonathan. But long story short, for background purposes, Saul rebelled against God's choice of David and basically tried to kill David over and over again over the years. And we read in the Psalms how many times David's saying, why are they trying to kill me? God, spare my life. As he runs, he just frankly flees for years from from Saul. In the end, both Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle and David eventually takes his place as king of Israel. So there's some background now to help you understand where we're at. We'll pick up the story from here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It says this. One day then, David as king with with his court says this. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Well, he summoned a man named Zeba who had been one of Saul's servants. he says, are you Ziba? The king asked, well, yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. And the king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them, reflecting God's kindness, right? And Ziba replied, well, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's, he's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. Well, he's in Lodabar. Ziba told him at the, ho- at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. And his name was Mephibosheth. Try to say that one three times fast. Mephibosheth. Never once has it made the top 10 list of baby names for boys in America. <laughs> Just a tip for you dads-to-be sitting out there. It's a great story, but Mephibosheth. Well, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, it says. When Mephibosheth came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. I want to pause and also say that guaranteed in that was a whole lot of fear no doubt fear you see very often in those days entire families of deposed monarchs were wiped out to prevent them from trying to take revenge on the new king you have Saul and his family this large family that's grown you have David moving in typically what would happen is when this guy becomes king okay Saul and Jonathan were out but just they would wipe out the entire family because we don't want a son or a nephew or anybody to five or ten or twenty years later come out and take revenge and kill you back that so was very, very common. I'm not saying it was right. It was just practice. So I have this feeling Mephibosheth, lame Mephibosheth shows up going, I'm dead. I am dead meat right here. So he bows down in deep respect on the ground going, oh boy. Okay. Now David says, greetings Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replies, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. You see, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father. And my friend Jonathan, basically a promise of kindness. I will give you," he's saying to Mephibosheth, "I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. <laughs> kind, <laughs> and you will eat here with me at the king's table." <laughs> now Mephibosheth practically has a heart attack. I got a God of feeling, and he now he bows respectfully and exclaims, "Who is your servant?" Meaning talking about himself, that you should show me such kindness to a dead dog like me. <laughs> And from that time on, a few verses later, it says, From that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at, king's, at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Here's a poor guy hiding out in some forsaken town in some family just hoping he doesn't get found and killed. He's brought to the king. He thinks I'm dead. He can't return kindness. He doesn't deserve kindness. He's a part of this family that has basically disobeyed God. And David says, I want to show God's kindness. I want to reflect God's kindness. He had no reason to show that kindness. Everyone would have understood him, maybe even expected David to kill him. But David not only uh, spared his life, but he showed kindness. He gave him a ton of land, many servants to care for him in that land. And he even brought him to the family table, treating him like one of God's own, or excuse me, one of his own sons. And that's God's kindness. And the kind of kindness that he wants to express through you to Everyone, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And here we go again with kindness and forgiveness. Kindness, kindness has to include forgiveness, doesn't it? The greatest kindness is seen in someone forgiving someone else who has hurt them deeply, someone who doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And, and that's what we see in God's kindness that we reflect. In Ephesians one. Starting verse 6 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. Those of us who are followers of Jesus. God is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave kindness. He forgave our sins. He showered, He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Now I love that concept of showering. Showering of kindness have you had a shower recently, I hope? <laughs> you know, just the water coming from all over. And I love that picture of God, not just one. here's some kindness, but it's, it's kindness and it flows over you and it just keeps coming and it's warm and it feels so good and it cleanses you and it just keeps coming and it just floods you. And Oh, this is nice. That's God's kindness that he showers upon us. What a great, great thing. What a great picture that we have there. You know, after reading this verse, though, I have to stop and, and ask, ask each one of us. I've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit Developed in us by God, the Holy Spirit, as we focused uh, and, and as we focused on kindness today specifically, I wonder if you personally, if you personally have received the kindness of God into your own life, by putting your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, these verses in Ephesians say that that he purchased our freedom with the blood, the blood of his son, Jesus, and he forgives our sins. But you only receive that freedom and forgiveness when you ask for Jesus to forgive you, when you trust and believe in him, when you put your faith in him, when you allow the son of God to lead your life. You see, God wants to shower his kindness on you, but you have to, in a sense, you have to get in the shower. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. It's God saying, because I love you, but your choice is, I want to follow Jesus. I want to step into the shower and receive what God wants to give me. Well, there's one more blank on your outline there at the bottom, and it asks for a response from you today. You see, sometimes in our American churches, we can kind of sit back and just take things in and then go, "Whatever, whatever we think, and off we go. But for us to engage on a personal level can be very valuable here. I guess I'd ask, are you willing to make today's talk personal and choose to respond from your heart? There's a line there. You're not going to turn this in for a grade or something, Uh, but it's a chance for you to actually actively write and then maybe even tell somebody because sometimes when we talk about decisions we're making, it helps seal them. Possible responses that you might have. Perhaps you, you need to receive his kindness, the forgiveness in Jesus, and that means choosing to become a follower of Jesus. You see, I've never really done that. And so when we talk about these, this fruit that God wants to bear in me, I realize I'm not, I'm not in the shower yet. Maybe your response is that you need to slow down to make time with God, quality and quantity, so that you can start resembling Daddy more. Maybe your response is you need to slow down so you can make time for others to really notice and slow in your life down. Maybe it's to choose to let God be kind through you to everyone right? Not just the easy to love people. Maybe you kind of find yourself kind here and not kind there. I don't know what your response might be. There's a number of ideas, but I'd invite you to write something to really seal this and say, God, would you have your way in me with this today? And would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning, and um, thank you for loving us, and God, I'm, I'm grateful as we walk through this Fruit of the Spirit series that, that I don't Stand up here feeling guilty about about how unkind I am, (laughs) about how hard I have to work to be more kind like Jesus because, Lord, I fall so short. I see your kindness so high up here and my own kindness level so low, and I see this gap that looks just unbelievable. Yet, Father, we've had an opportunity to not focus on our lack of kindness this morning, but on you. And on your kindness, it showers upon us and realizing that in getting in the shower and in spending time with you and slowing down, Father, that you want to start bearing that fruit in us. And so this is a celebration message this morning, God, not a list of five or eight steps to take to be more kind, but truly a call to slow down and to become who you want us to be, allow you to do your work in us, God. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning who says, I'm not sure if I'm in the shower, I'm not, I've not asked Jesus into my heart, I'm maybe not a follower of Jesus, that they could do that right now in a simple way by in their heads and their hearts believing that Jesus is your son who came and lived the perfect life and then died for them to give them new life and eternal life. If that's you, you simply ask for forgiveness in Jesus Christ from your heart for everything you've done and then ask him to come in and lead your life and to produce in you the fruit that he wants to bear to make you more like him. And he promises to do that. Father, we love you and we want to honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.